And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. And got another good one for you. I mean, they're all good, but man, Tony Miles, number 10 for the Bearcats. Uh, of, of course, uh, M-Club Hall of Famer at Northwest, and MIAA Hall of Famer. I've been up uh, multiple times for the College Football Hall of Fame. Man, it's uh, it's a great chat, and and uh, you know, of course, we'll have the pick six at the end. Who's the best athlete that he ever played with? That's one of them, and a favorite Coach T story. That's that's never a bad thing. So we'll hear all kinds of lots of great stuff from Tony. In fact, that's coming up, and I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's just get to this thing. We'll take a quick break. My chat with Bearcat great Tony Miles next here on Bleeding Green. Hello, this is former Northwest quarterback Chris Rice, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome in here on Bleeding Green. Host Matt Daniel here. I'm very proud to welcome in number 10. He's an MIAA Hall of Famer and uh, and been up for the for the College Football Hall of Fame as well. Number 10, Tony Miles. And uh, Tony, man, thanks so much for uh, for taking some time and, and coming on Bleeding Green with me. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. So, Mark, Texas. Tell me about Mark, Texas. I know that's that's where you're from. What, anything? How big of a town? How big of a town is it? Well, I'll tell you about Mark, Texas. Mark, Texas is a rural town. Uh about 2000 when I was there, it was about 2000 citizens. Um, it's kind of spread out. So, you know, 2000 citizens, you think that is really, really small, but it's kind of sm- spread out. It's, uh, pretty similar, I would say, to Maryville. It's a, it's a, I want to say it's that big of a farming community, but there's a lot of farmland uh, there. Um, it's a pretty diverse city. Um, but I mean, it, it was it was good, man. It's home. It's still home to me. I have relatives there. It's still home to me. Um, uh, the school, uh, the high school. I probably I graduated in the high school. My class were probably about about forty, about forty kids. So the high school is not very big. But I tell you this: in the state of Texas, uh, the football program is renowned. I mean, the week one. Um, maybe the second or third most uh, state championships in the state of Texas. Uh, so everywhere you go in the state of Texas, and you say the, the name, the Mark Panthers, everybody would know uh, something about the Mark Panthers. So, um, you know, that's kind of like our claim to fame. You know, the whole town bond, bonds together and gets together. And, and when the football season is going, you can absolutely tell when there's a Friday night football game because everyone's there either away or home and they all get behind the team. And, you know, Mark Panthers, like you're a Mark Panther when you're born. So, you know, when you're three, four, five, six, you aspire to be a Mark Panther. And now that they have all of the, the junior leagues and the, and the minor leagues and, and everyone's still Mark Panthers, so all the way through. And you just can't wait for your turn to, to be a high school football player and Mark. 
Was that? I mean, was does that explain your childhood pretty accurately? I mean, was you, you was football it for you, and you couldn't wait till you got to high school and 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 could play? I'd say I stay the old stadium where where I where I grew up and I played at. My I stayed in uh, apartment complex that neighbored the stadium, so I could hear and see all of the games. Of course, I was a water boy and I was all of that stuff. But like even before I was that, I could see and hear all of the football games. Like right, I was right there. I was right in it. And you know, I come from a a, um, a family that was pretty athletic. And and of course, being in a small town, like every every male that's in the school plays football or they're really big in the agricultural side of things, you know, raising animals or something like that. So, like, there was no doubt that we were going to play football. And, yeah, it, it explains my childhood, man. Like, I was that kid, you know, that found any patch of grass I could, and we all played football on that grass. And then when it was our turn, man, we, 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 we didn't take it for, you know, lightly man like we really appreciated being being able to be a mark panther so was was football always your favorite sport growing up did you play other sports too well i'm gonna tell you man football football was not my favorite sport you know uh basketball was my favorite sport uh, i like i like uh playing basketball a whole lot i still play to this day i play Every morning I get up, I wake up early, and by 6 a.m. I still go out and play basketball. But basketball was my, I would say, my favorite sport. And football, and the only reason why football wasn't because I was compared to so many great players that came before me that it was it was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure to live up to that. And, and, and not that I didn't want to, you know, like be in that pressure, but I just wanted to, I wanted my own niche. You know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to be, I just wanted to be me. I just wanted to be, you know, the kid that was, was happy just to, to be a Mark Panther and all of that. And I, you know, fortunately I was good, but unfortunately being good, you have to be compared to the, the other good ones, you know? So I would say basketball was my first love, man. And I, and I still love it. But when I, but when football became my basketball, was my love. Football became my passion, and and my passion when I when I was, you know, and 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 put into football, and when I got all of my, you know, when I was just in it, you know, and I was with my teammates, and and we were going through what we were going through, you know, football became my thing, and and that's what I hung my hat on. Do you remember when kind of it it changed and football started to become the priority? Was it at some point in high school or? Yes, yes, yes. It, it was. It was in high school. Um, it was my freshman year. It's my freshman year, and like, like my best friend, my best friend was the high school quarterback, and we would hang out all the time. He was actually a junior, and I was a freshman, and. I was good enough to play, you know, I was good enough to play varsity football, which is rare in Texas. Like, you don't, you don't see a lot of uh, 
not, I mean, the smaller schools you may, but you don't see a lot of freshmen playing varsity the football in the state of Texas because, um, I mean, the state of Texas is, is I mean, like they, they like their football and, and a lot of males in the school population play football. So the older kids are, are, are bigger, stronger, faster, and they're better equipped to playing a game of football. So you don't catch a lot of freshmen playing football. So my freshman year, I played JV all the way up until uh, the playoffs. In the playoffs, I played out of position because someone was hurt. I actually started at running back. I played running back, and my best friend, who was, you know, the quarterback, he told me that they needed me. You know what I mean? Like, that was the first time someone said, like, you know, Hey, we need you, man. Like you got to dig in. Like we 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 really need you. So uh, I was like, man, like you know, I, you know, being in the school like we were in, they always competed and always played in the state playoffs and stuff like that. I was like, man, they he said to me that they need me, and I answered that challenge, and you know, and I went out and I performed. But that feeling of being needed and wanted and um, and and being in that environment that drove me to like becoming like like football was my thing, you know. So was it as your high school career went on? I mean, was it was it always running back then? Had you just kind of become a running back at that point, or did you kind of play all over the place? You still play some receiver. I played all over the place. Uh, my my high school, like I said, there weren't too many kids. So we play offense, we play defense. Um, I actually received more accolades on the defensive side of the ball, you know. But I did play receiver. I played running back. I played quarterback as well. Um, but you know, in fact, when I went to when I went to school, when I went to uh, Northwest, I, I remember this conversation. They didn't actually know where what side of the ball I would play on, uh, which was which was tricky to me because I had some some interest from some some high you know Division one schools to play uh, on the defensive side. I didn't really want to play on the defensive side of the ball. I really wanted to play on the offensive side of the ball. And when I went to Northwest, you know. At first, you know, when I when I when I signed and all that, my from my understanding, I would be on the offensive side of the ball. But I redshirted, and during that redshirt year, I distinctly remember uh, Coach Boswick, God rest his soul, coming and telling me like, "We don't know what side of the ball they were gonna put you on." <laughs> I remember putting my head in my hands, thinking like, "Oh man, I think I made a mistake." <laughs> well. So before I guess we get to Northwest, do you have any like favorite memories, games, plays, anything like that from high school that that really stick out when you think back? I still I still look at my my high school footage. Um, my high school football playing career was, I mean, it was so special. Uh, I mean, like you can just imagine being with a group of guys that you go from uh, pre-kindergarten all the way through high school and this is the exact same kids. Like you have a special bond that, that goes beyond the game of football. 
and to go out and compete with them every night and, and want to win and being in the city that that's known and, and, and they always win. I mean, that was special. Like the memories of my, my, my most fondest memory, I, I would say two of them, uh, homecoming. We played a really good team. They were the Hubbard uh, Jaguars and, and they were good. Uh, I would say athletically, we were probably far. Um, and they went up, and, and it was a back-and-forth game. And I remember catching the pass out, uh, like in the, fl- in the flats, and making a couple of guys miss, and running a touchdown. And in the end zone, we have, like, homecoming floats lined up. And I remember running to that end zone. Those floats are there. But on the outside of the fence, we had a lot of like local guys that would come to the game, and they were lining the fences, and they were on the outside of that fence. And I remember running that touchdown and, and taking the lead, and in there, and the excitement on those guys' faces outside of the fence, not even the guys that were inside of the fence, like my teammates, but the guys that were outside of the fence. They were so happy. They were jumping. And they were like, you know, giving each other high fives, and I mean, that was just, that was just a, a fun memory. And of course, I remember my last high school football game. Um, we played a team that had just won a state championship the the year before, and we were, I mean, we had opportunities. We were beating them. They were beating us. I scored, I would say, about two or three touchdowns. But I got hurt that game. And I remember going into halftime and the coach asking me, uh, like, could I play and all that. And it was quiet, I mean, because it was a tough game and all that. And when he asked me that, it got really, really, really quiet. And I looked up and I saw the faces of all of my teammates. I mean, these guys, these are the guys that I've been with since pre-kindergarten. And we have been through the trenches. Like we've been through everything together. You know, we we have we grew up together. Like really, we really grew up together. And I had a thigh bruise, and it was pretty sore. Like I, I couldn't, uh, especially when it when it cooled off a little bit. And I told the coach I could play. Um, there was no doubt that I was going to play. I really couldn't play. I really shouldn't have played. I was I was pretty banged up. And I went back out, and I actually scored a touchdown in the second half, and I played. But that was a, a – a, and we lost the game. Of course, after the game, you cry. You say, ah, oh, you know. I always had a, you know, keen uh, understanding that I probably would play football beyond my high school year. But, but that last football game with the guys that I grew up with, and we went through so much together, that was very special to me. When was it? I mean, do you remember when that you thought you or you're pretty sure you were going to play, you know, after high school? Was there at some point when some certain school came to talk to you or you started getting contacted by a bunch of schools? You said D1 schools wanted you to play defense. Was it during your junior year, during your senior year? Do you remember? Well, when I graduated, when I graduated, uh, there was no social media. Uh, there was, I mean, your com- your, your conversation with schools was through mail for the most part. 
And a lot of the mail that you get in the recruit process back then was, uh, it was almost like propaganda. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, hey, we want you to come play, you know. It wasn't stuff like that. But I had I had a lot of those males, and I had a lot of interaction with with with, with college coaches uh, from from my sophomore year on. Uh, but but I also received academic scholarship offers, so uh, I, I I was you know my family was pretty pretty big on making sure that I was a student athlete. So I received some academic scholarship offers as well. So I knew I would always have the opportunity to go, even if they didn't want me to come and play, you know, through like an athletic scholarship, I knew that I would go out and play. I could always walk on because I was getting academic scholarship money. But even though, like, some of the schools that were that offered me like athletic scholarship and stuff like that. It didn't happen to my like the end of my junior year. And you know, growing up with, with so many kids that weren't getting that opportunity, it's a it's a thought process that goes through your, through your head. Like, do you actually want to do that or do you want to go and continue on the journey? with the rest of those kids that are not getting that opportunity, but they were going to go on to go to college and they were going to be professionals in something, in something else. They're going to be professionals in something else. So that goes through your head, you know, because those, those are your boys. Like, 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 I mean, you've been through the mud with them. You've been with them for, you know, 12, 13 years. And, and, you know, there's a separation process that you don't really want to go through, you know? So, like the end of my junior year, I knew that I could go on and play college football, but you know that process of of, of saying that, do I really want to go play college football or do I really want to go and 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 enjoy life like with my classmates? That went through my head, you know. But you know, I had a mother. I had a mother that I made a promise to. That I would go to school, I graduate, I would graduate college, and she was. I grad. I came from a military family, so all of my dads, all of my uncles, all of those guys, they they all went military. My mother told me if I wasn't going to graduate from college, I was going to go to the military. So I told her I wasn't going to the military. I don't think I was quite cut out to be a military man. So I told her I was going to go to college, and I thought in my mind, uh, my best opportunity to go and graduate college was to go on to play college football. So what schools, you know, the recruiting process comes along. I mean, were there other schools besides Northwest that you were, I mean, it sounds like you were, that you were pretty seriously considering? Well, Baylor, which is right up the street from from from, from me, uh, from Mark, uh I would always be at Baylor, you know. I, I would do a lot of like activities at Baylor, you know. Um, TCU came along late, and Texas, Texas A&M, Texas A&M was probably I probably got more, you know, more of a look from Texas A&M than I did from Baylor. Uh, I'm trying to. Think. I would think they they were the big, they were the big three. Uh, that I received 
like a lot of interest from. And then there were several other uh, Division II schools here in Texas that I received interest from. Uh, and and not for anything I kind of wanted to go to, but my mother told me that going away, she told me I can always come back home. She, said, she told me that going away and, and seeing some different things was probably in my best interest. And, and because she said that life, life comes at you fast. Like you don't always get the opportunity to get away, you know, especially from coming from a small town where, where everyone pretty much stays local and just lived and grew up, you know? So she told me, don't discount going away to, to, to North, you know, Northwest when they, I'm going to tell you, after, uh, you know, an interesting story is Northwest. I never knew what Northwest was and no, no, not many people around here know what Northwest Missouri state is. But I had a high school coach that coached me in football, and he also was my head basketball coach. He was best friends with a guy that he grew up with that was the offensive line coach at Northwest, and his name was Bart Tatum, and they kept in contact. So he was always telling me about Northwest. So I had a little bit of understanding of of, of what Northwest was about, and that's how I, the whole recruitment from Northwest kind of kind of came about, because those two were really great friends. So, you know, I was pretty. I'm a pretty loyal guy, and he he told me that I should go up there on the crew visit and, and and check it out. And when I got to Northwest, they made me feel like I was at home. They really did a good job of making me feel like I was a part of what they had you know, going on with our future. And that stuck out to me. And and that's the whole reason why I chose Northwest over all those schools because Northwest made me feel like I was a part of them and what they had going on toward their future. That's a, that's, that's awesome. That's uh, so, so you, what were your, what was your first, um, I don't know. What were your first thoughts when you went to Maryville on that visit? I mean, I guess Maryville was probably bigger than Mart, so it probably didn't seem some people, you know, maybe they're from Dallas or somewhere or St. Louis or Kansas City, Maryville might seem like a small town, but it probably didn't for you. Well, Maryville, Maryville is bigger than Mart, but Maryville didn't feel bigger than Mart. You know, you have your your town, you have your town of Maryville. And then you have a, I mean, Maryville is a, a, it's a farming community, you know, but my first impression of, uh, of Maryville, when I got off the plane and I was riding in the car, it was in the winter. So there were snow drifts everywhere. There were snow drifts everywhere. And I was thinking like, oh my God, like, what did I do? <laughs> like, like, honestly, I had never, I had never seen snow before. I had never seen snow before. So I was thinking like, what what did I do, you know? And I didn't own a, a a huge jacket or anything. And I got out. I had my little Letterman jacket on. I was freezing. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I was freezing. I was shivering. My mother, my father, they didn't come on my recruiting visit. 
you know, they Northwest flew me out. You know, my first time on the airplane, I thought the airplane ride was horrible. I, I was like, there's no way that I'm flying back home. In fact, on my recruiting visit, I, I pushed the buzzer for the flight attendant to come see me. And I asked him, could they land the airplane in some water somewhere? Because I'm ready to get off the plane. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, I was I was freaking out. And that's my first time on the airplane. And, and my ears were hurting, man. I'm. I mean, it was awful, man. It was awful. It was awful for me getting to Northwest Missouri State because you got to fly into Kansas City. I'm driving from Kansas City to to North to Maryville, and every all I see is snow. The snow banks everywhere, and that's that's all I'm looking. I'm looking out the window. And that's all I'm thinking. It's snow everywhere. In fact, that's what I was thinking when I was flying and we were coming down. It's, it's white. It's snow everywhere. I've never seen that before. So, you know, that was in my mind, and I, and, and I was thinking about it. But when I got to the facilities, when the coaches started talking, when, when they started interacting with me, I felt like, I mean, it was a smaller, small enough city where it was similar to more. But, but when they started talking, I felt like this is a, like an extension of my home. It was an extension of my home. They did a great job of making me feel welcome. They did a great job of making me feel like a part of their family. And they did a great job of making it feel like it was indeed a family atmosphere. And that stuck with me. I, I went on recruiting visits after I went to Northwest, that recruiting visit. I went to other places. But nothing compared to Northwest. And they were, I mean, they only won six games the, the, the year before. They had went over the year before that. So, and I came from a place where we were used to winning. Like, we were, we were used to winning, like, every year. So, I I mean, with, with that, with that, you know, with that feeling, with that feeling, that what won me over from Northwest, and I'm really glad, and I'm, re I'm really glad because I didn't really have, I didn't really have uh, my father doing the whole recruiting process because he and my mother had separated, and he always wanted me to go to the bigger school, go to the bigger school, go to the bigger school. You know, there would be more opportunity to go to the bigger school. My mother was always saying, go what feels right with you. If it feels good and it feels like home, you would know. Like, you would know. So if my mother and my father had been together, I doubt that I would have been to Northwest. I, I doubt that I would have went to Northwest because he was always pushing me to go to the bigger school. But they had separated, and my mother was saying, like, you know, you have to do what's right for you. You need, you know, if it feels right, it'll be good. Northwest felt right. And it, I mean, it was like entrenched in me. Northwest felt right. So after I came from Northwest, I compared Northwest to every other school that I went to a recruiting visit after it, after that. And Northwest was hands, hands down better, in my opinion. That's awesome. Well, you come in redshirt. I mean, was that something that that you kind of knew? I mean, did did you kind of know going in? I mean, now 
you know, enough years have gone by. And of course, you know, that was always kind of the thing. Most guys come in in red shirts, still kind of the thing at Northwest. Was that, is that what you had planned on when you came in to, to sit out a year? Uh, honestly, no, <laughs> I did not know that I was on a red shirt. Uh, because I had, like I said, I had been playing like big boy football since I was a freshman in high school. So I did not know that I was going to red shirt. Uh, and then coming to Northwest and being in the process of competing with like the older athletes and, and stuff like that, I felt like I could compete uh, as a freshman, as a true freshman. But Northwest had Northwest had a pretty senior-laden uh, wide receiver core. And, you know, looking back at it, I'm really pleased that I didn't play as a true freshman. Maybe I, I would have played. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know how that would have went. But I got, the, I got the opportunity to sit back and look and develop myself mentally to be able to go out and compete at a very high level. At a, a very high level. You know, freshmen coming in and, and playing right away, they come from one situation. A lot of times when you're a freshman, you're going in and you're playing collegiate football where you are better than a lot of the people that you're around. So you get that complex that I'm bigger and I'm better than a lot of people I'm around. But when you go to college, everyone is good. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if, if that would have – if that would have hurt me mentally going out there and not being as competitive competitive as I would have wanted to be, you know, as a freshman, because I was frail, man. I, I graduated high school. I may have been five nine, like I don't know, one sixty-five or something like that. I wasn't very big. So I don't know physically if I was ready to play in the MIAA. Because the MIAA is it's a man's league, you know. Was there a guy when when you when you came on campus through your redshirt year, or or, or maybe even as a redshirt freshman, that kind of that kind of took you under their wing? Well, Mark Survey, Mark Survey was there as a receiver. Scott Quarter, Jason Milnick, Wade Hanson. Those guys, those guys were, were it. I looked at those guys, the way they carried themselves, the way they practiced, the way they interacted in the meeting room. They were, they were the cream of the crop. Coach Schwartz was there, Brian Schwartz. He was the uh, receivers coach, uh, he demanded a lot from those guys. And, you know, read, read defensive coverages and the playbook that that we had, the normal size of the playbook to understand that and all the nuances of that. Those guys handled that very well. So I would say, you know, well, you know all of those guys, all of those guys, the way they carried themselves, had a had a part in it. But Mark Survey, 
because he was a slot receiver, but he had to know a little bit about the outside, a little bit, you know, on each side. He kind of took me by my, you know, away and under his wing, and he was like, T, I'm telling you, to play, you have to know this, you have to know this, you have to know this. Another guy was Daniel Keyes, who was on the defensive side of the ball. He played safety. He would say, T, because I was a, one of those scout team guys, he would always say, you are the guy that's giving us problems every single day. You need to make sure you are doing all of the things that you can do to be able to go out and play. Because I'm telling you, if you do those things, you're going to be a very good player at this school. He would tell me that every day. So I would say Mark Survey and I would also say Daniel Keys because those two guys were the guys that told me that. Because you know how it is when you're well, a high school player and you, you get patted on the back so much. You think, you think, you know, the world stops with you. And then you go and play guys that are better than you and, and, and more competitive than you, bigger, faster, stronger than you, and you're lost in the way. But those guys told me, they sat me down and told me the ways to be able to go out and be able to compete at a higher level. So I thank those guys for that. So as you, as you go into 97, obviously your redshirt freshman year, did you did you have expectations? I mean, you, you know, of of yourself of kind of where you thought you might figure in in that 97 season only knew one way to play football that was hard and fast and dominate the guy over you that's the only way i knew how to play that's how i was brought up and you know that's the more Panther way that's how i was brought up and I didn't have any expectations, but I, I understood that I needed to go out there and compete. And I didn't have any I didn't have any doubts about my athletic ability and what I could do. But there's having that athletic ability and being able to do certain things and then there's having that transfer over to where you can display those athletic abilities and things that you can do. So my thing was when I came back, when I so so first of all, my redshirt year, uh Greg Wayne, my good friend Greg Wayne, we came in together. He actually played as a true freshman. He played, he played defensive back as a true freshman. But in the dorm room, we all was in the same dorm. I think it's Dietrich. I think we're all in Dietrich, the high rise of Dietrich. And every night, he would say, T, when you transfer back to Texas, I'm going back with I'm going back to Texas with you. So in our minds, you know, in our thinking, we always thought that like he well, he always said it. And I, you know, I, I was thinking it too that I was gonna go back to Texas, you know, and I was gonna go and finish my athletic career in Texas. Well, my mother wasn't having any parts of that. She said, if you sign to go and play at this school, you're going to finish at this school. And there was no offense about that. So I respect my mother. I respect my mother wholeheartedly. Like, I would never disagree with anything that she's, you know, set forth for me. So transforming, getting out of that 
the situation wasn't 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 a thought. So I had to see it through. So in order for me to play, I had to go out there and I had to perform. So I didn't have any expectations, but I told myself that every day when I woke up and when I got in the, you know, out there to compete, I was going to give them the best part, best version of me that I could. And uh, luckily that was good enough, you know. So I didn't really have any expectations, but I just did not want to be able to, I just not didn't want to sit and watch again because that was a long year sitting and watching. And we went to the playoffs that year that I sat and watched. And, and Jesse Haynes had the miraculous catch down at, at UNO. And, and, and it was a great buzz. And we had lost that next game to to Northern Colorado. And then we had to start all over again. But I wanted to be a part of that. So 97, I mean, there's, there's of course some close games against Missouri Southern and, and Washburn. And, and I think the game, at least regular season game that everybody probably talks about was, was at, at Pitt and down 14, nothing at halftime. And the, and the, uh, Brian Sutton runs in the, the, you know, bad snap to get the two point conversion. You guys end up coming back winning 15 to 14. Um, yeah have any special i mean that was obviously following up the dud in the mud from the 40 to nothing loss from from the year before in 96 you guys overcome pit um you know do you have any special memories from that game or or we'll get to the playoffs in a second but any of the other any other games you have any special memories or moments that kind of stick out in the 97 year Obviously that, that 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 pit game, like you say, because I registered the year before, it was a torrential downpour. Like you say, it was muddy. It was at our stadium. And then we went there, we beat them. Uh ninety-seven. Uh I can't I can't I can't say that there's any you know, particular uh, standout memories from that '97 season. Uh, I just, I just know that I, I remember uh, Willie Cohen coming to our team and, and, and playing. I remember that, but I don't, I don't remember any any standout uh, particular things from that '97 season. Well, the playoffs, you guys beat North Dakota State. You have a, a kick return for a touchdown in that one, kickoff return in uh, in your first ever ever playoff game. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, Northern Colorado gets you guys again, which is, you know, the same thing that had happened the year before. Um, you know, it it seemed like, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty – crazy rise right from from 0 and 11 94 to, to six wins in 95 to to i mean playing with the best teams in the country i mean did you guys think that that you were really close to a national championship in 97 um i didn't even know what a national championship <laughs> i did man because like I say, man, growing up in Texas, growing up in Mark, all you did was go out there and you played as hard as you could, as fast as you could. 
until the final whistle and the chips, you know, lie where they may, you know. So I didn't even understand the whole concept of the national championship and all of that stuff. But I was around some guys that were older than me that did, you know. And the the whole Northern Colorado thing the year before, it did sit right with them. You know, Northern Colorado went on to win the national championship, I think, that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that didn't sit right with them. You know, so Northern Colorado was someone that, that, that we, we, we really want to beat. That, that playoff game when I ran the kickoff back, I just I just think remember it was a cool day. We were at, we were at Rick and Road and I was telling uh, Steve Covington like <laughs> I don't want to play, man. It's cold. It's too cold. It's too cold to play the game of football, you know. And he was like, oh, he used to call me P player. He was like P player, man. Just go out there and do your thing, you know. And I was like, man. I was in my mind. I was thinking like, why on earth we don't have a dome, you know? <laughs> One is supposed to go out and play in these elements. It's too cold, you know. Um, but when the whistle blows, all I know is to go out there and play as hard as I can and, and as fast as I can and, and, and try my best to put my team in the best advantageous, you know, possibilities to come out with a win. Like, I want to win at all costs, you know. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be kicked the ball. But the only reason the reason why I, they kicked the ball to me is because the guy on the other side of me who was Charlie Pugh had been tearing it up in the kickoff game, you know? So they kicked it to me. And, I, you know, I mean, I love getting the ball. I love the ball in my hands. And, and my whole thing was I didn't want one guy to be able to bring me down. And that was that was something I established a long time ago when I was when I first started playing. My dad would always say, if, if one guy brings you down, it's not a very successful run. So I would not want one guy to bring me down. So I prided myself on making one or two guys miss. Uh, but, you know, Northern Colorado was in the way again. They beat us. They beat us uh, at our home. It had to be, and it was, the weather was not peachy again, but they beat us. And uh, I remember after that, after they beat us, and, and you know, it's the boo-hoos because you got the, the the seniors that, you know, maybe their career is, is, is over. No more football for them. And you got guys like me. I'm a young. You know, I know. I, well, I think I know that I'm going to play again. And, you know, you have that merging of those guys. But we have some distinct leaders uh, Chris Grice and Scott Coppinger and those guys, and like we were not. I mean, like after that, they they were saying to themselves, and they made it a point to preach that and, and push that upon everybody that was a part of the program. We would not be in that position again, you know. And then me, I'm growing up now. Like yeah, I'm I'm telling everybody younger than me and probably older than me too. We would not be in that position again. Like, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready. I understand what this whole national championship push and all that stuff is about. I'm ready. I want to feel that. So, you know, Northern Colorado beat us, honestly. And it's like cliche and, you know, hindsight and things like that. But them beating us that second year was absolutely a great push for us. It was, it was, it was a great thing in Northwest Missouri State football 
you know, folklore because them beating us that second year, we put our foot in the ground, our, our feet in the ground, and we, we said that we would not feel that feeling again, for sure. Well, yeah, 98, of course, the magical season, and, I mean, really not even too many close games. Washburn game is a one-score game. Of course, Pitt again. Um, you guys started this, you know, started the streak in 97 of, of beating Pitt State, and it was several years before before the Bearcats uh, would lose to the Gorillas again, um, you know, and, and, you know, up into the playoffs, you guys were – were pretty much rolling was it you know and i know that you know there were the famous you know florence or bus t-shirts at the beginning of the season you, you mentioned kind of the captains was it was it them you know the did the captains kind of i don't know you know set the set the standard or make the expectations pretty clear before that season i i, I think those captains those guys that were voted captain, I think they kind of set the standard. Like I say, after the Northern Colorado defeat, uh, when everyone was crying and everyone was boo-hooing, and, and, and they had enough resolve to go in and say, like, you know what, this is not going to happen to us. Whatever we got to do, this will not happen to us again. But in my in my group, in my core, we, had, we were growing up. We were all growing up. Like we had freshmen. I remember Ryan George, you know, J.R. Hill, myself. Uh, that's three freshmen that were playing, you know. And and, and and we were ready. After that, we were ready. You know, so they were setting that that standard and we were taking that standard and we were running with that standard. Like we were running with it. Our competition level went through the roof. And I and I I really believe that's what carried us because our competition level went through the roof, and and the whole Florence or bus thing. <laughs> to be quite honest, I didn't really understand that. Like, where is Florence? You know, <laughs> like where is Florence? Like Florence or bus? Like, yeah, I, I was wearing the shirt. I didn't I didn't really understand what Florence was. You know, I, all I all I wanted to do was go out there and, and, and be as dominant as I can on whoever I was playing. But it became it became one of those things like what everybody was saying, Florence of Buzz. Florence of Buzz. I understood what Florence was. Florence was where our end destination needed to be. So yeah, it became Florence of Buzz. And and those little close games, I mean honestly. Those, I mean, we went undefeated. We went undefeated. Nobody beat us. It was Florence and Buzz. And all those teams that played us called us at the wrong time because there, there was really no denying us, man. Like, we were ready to take that leap. And I know, thinking back, because I became a historian, and, and, and that's part of the reason why I got into coaching. It, it just became part of me. I know Northern Alabama had won. They had won three, two or three in a row. And Northern Colorado, like all those things, like, yeah, like, like we were ready. In fact, we beat Northern Colorado. And when we beat Northern Colorado, it was really like one of those taking the monkey out the back thing. Like, we had gotten over that hill. You know, they were in the way. And we beat them. And we went on. I mean, I remember uh, – 
texting in Kingsville, getting off the bus. I remember we had those morning meetings where we could do breakfast and stuff, and I was going back. I was going back home before I came back to the game, and uh, texting in, in them Kingsville, getting off the bus. They, they look like they look like some Goliaths. <laughs> they looked apart, the man. And I mean, watching the film, they doing them justice. So, you know, going back home from that, I knew. I knew that we had to come out there and play. But not only did I know, everyone knew. And we were, we were ready for that challenge. And to hear that, to hear this Rick and Bro playing uh, Sweet Home Alabama, blaring through the – I mean, that is a feeling that never gets old. I can play it back. I mean, I can see it in my head. That's a feeling, you know, they tore down the goal post. And – Man, that is a feeling that never ever gets old to feel that and be a part of that and then going on to play uh Carson Newman. And then it start raining again. I'm like, God, come on, man. Let us let us be great. But it rained a national championship game, but like many other challenges before, our guys would not be denied that year for sure. Well that the, the semifinal against Kingsville, I mean, you scored three touchdowns, included a real long one in the first half. I mean, that was – had a great game. Did you, did you get a piece of the goalpost? I know a lot of guys have still have their pieces. I'm glad I did not get a piece of that goalpost oh. <laughs> because I would not know where that piece would be right now, man. <laughs> I, I, I had many moves from, uh, from here and there, but – Thinking back, man, I think that a piece of that goalpost, I didn't, I didn't, I don't deserve a piece of that goalpost. I think it is the people that endured so long and had all the heartbreaks from us losing to Northern Colorado and from us taking that, that leap from the Owen whatever season to the undefeated season. I think that those people deserve that part of the goalpost because, I mean, we're in it, and, yeah, we're living it, and, you know, the ups and downs and the losses, the wins, but those people are going through it as well. But those people don't get to – they don't have that brotherhood that we have in the locker room to, to pick each other up and say, like, hey, man, you know, next season, like and, – and, and, like, after that last Northern Colorado win when those guys were like, you know, we would not have this – feeling again they don't have that like we had that you know so those guys that endured and, and was there for us and they were cheering when it was cold because i know it was cold because it was cold for me those guys that were cheering when it was cold and all they deserve those little old pieces so when they are looking up on their mantles or whatever that wherever that piece is and they can recollect and say like ah oh, man i remember this point where we were doing those things because I have I have those memories. You know, it's easy for me to recall those memories because I was going through it actually out there on the field. But those are the guys that really need those the, those momental pieces to, to to you know draw their memory back to that exact moment. I, I think that was for them and you know I don't think we would would have would have pushed through and been as as good and successful as we were without those guys. So that is for them, in my opinion. 
Well, I want to talk about the national championship game against Carson Newman here for a second, because I know, I know it was a big deal at the time, but you guys got your names on the back of your jerseys. <laughs> oh yeah, man. If, if you know, if you know, uh, Mel Churchman, man, if you, if you ever got a chance to really, really know him, he was pretty old school, man. Uh, and I know he had to deal with some dynamic uh, personalities like, like, like us, you know, when we came along and stuff like that. But getting those names on the jersey were, they were yeah, we were excited about that. We were excited about that because, I mean, like, we go home and after our game and stuff, we watch the, the big time, you know, the, the Division One college football games that are coming on football on te- television, and those guys got their name on that jersey. And we had our names on our jersey. Then I, then I get my jersey. It has my whole first name, my whole last name. I'm thinking, like, what is this about? We had a quarterback. I know, I know you recall, but we had Travis Miles as well. He got his whole, you know, his, his name on the back of his jersey as well. I'm thinking, like, man, we, we got shorted, man, you know. <laughs> we just got a little name on there. We can keep it moving. But we, got, we got a name on our jersey. But, yeah, we were all excited about that. We were all excited about getting our name. We thought we had finally become, you know, we had finally came to to – you know, just on par with the rest of those those guys that were getting their names on their jersey or whatever, and man, that was that was that was big time. I tell you what, uh, I have kids now. I have kids now. I have a senior in high school, which is my daughter. I have a son that's a junior in high school. And then I have a little seven year old that runs the roost, and my daughter is is she is a lot like me. She's competitive and stuff, but like when they have all of these different days of school, she asked me for jerseys and whatever she can wear. That jersey from that first championship is the only jersey that she has never been able to wear. <laughs> That's awesome. So, and obviously, Maryville brings like half, it seems like half the town down there to that 90 you have any memories of of i think it was like three thousand people or something like that from maryville came down to to watch you guys it was it was wild maryville showed up and maryville showed up maryville maryville it was so memorable man like i remember i remember looking i remember you know Looking in those stands, and I remember we scored a touchdown, and what the excitement on those! They, and there are people with no clothes on. They rain. They didn't have shirts on. I mean, they were in the moment, and they enjoyed it. And I, I remember when it was all over, when it, they were running on the field and stuff. Like I mean, I'm seeing classmates. It is a magical feeling. You know, I wish everyone that ever played the game of football could win a national championship to feel that feeling because it is magical. When you got guys that you are in history class with, you know, struggling in history class and and going to lab late and you're tired and all of that stuff, like you got those guys that are running on the field and they are super proud and super excited and, and, and they feel – they feel 
so good because you all went out there and you got it done. That is a magical feeling. And I don't think I don't think people actually talk about that feeling enough. I don't think people actually talk about the feeling of being able to enjoy something with something that like is bigger than yourself with people that are, are you know are non-athletes man those guys are, are, are the guys that that gives you that push when no one else can like going to class and say hey man i saw you this and that and i mean like that is a great feeling that was awesome that was pretty good well a big a big senior class too that year talk about your quarterback chris grison you know he was your your quarterback obviously your first your first two years playing and then you mentioned travis miles who was your quarterback in 99 2000 but 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 talk about chris and and uh you know just what what it was like having him throw you the ball chris was a big time talent uh chris was a quarterback man he was a football player man he did his homework uh he looked apart. He talked apart. He was a quarterback, and he was a quarterback of a, of a college football team. And he, I mean, like he embodied it. I mean, he had the backup. Uh, Greg Till was the hometown legend, you know. So when he stepped into the reins, man, like I mean, he embodied it and took off, man. Like he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't afraid of it. He was not afraid of it at all. And he took off, man, and catch the passes from him and and just asking him, you know, like little nuances of the game of, of, of what he was looking for and, and how he was looking for and, you know, the education that he was giving us from, from his eyes, like what he sees, that, you know, nurtured us into, you know, being a better football player as well. And then – he came from, I think it was Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And he told me one time, like, we in the huddle, man. I think it was the, uh, I think it was when we played that semifinal game against uh, A&M Kingsville. He, he, he told me, like, he has had never been that close to, you know, black guys, you know. He asked me, could he give me, like, a hug and a, a kiss on the cheek. I mean, and, and I was like, you know, at first it was like a weird feeling, but when you put it into context, that was huge. I mean, like, this is a guy that went out every day. He competed as hard as he possibly could on the field. He competed off the field with learning and, 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 and being at his best on game day. And then he was overcoming barriers that he had never ever overcome, you know, and that was the embodiment of like, like I told you about that, that family atmosphere. Like we were all brothers and, and that was big for me. Like at first I laughed about it, but afterwards I was like, Oh man, that was a, that was, that was a big moment. You know, that was a big moment. But Chris Bryson was a, was a tremendous talent. Uh, I think he knew about his talents and he displayed his talents. And there was, there was, he wasn't afraid of anything as well. He wasn't afraid of that moment of, of, of replacing a uh, hometown legend and Greg Hill. He wasn't afraid of uh, leading 
a team until the first national championship, whatever came their, our way. He was he was he was ready for the challenge. And I think that we were and as a collective, we were better served because we had a guy like uh, Chris guy Chris Grison to lead us. Well and you know, 99 is such a different season than 98. You, know, you talk about being on a mission and just kind of, you know, destroying pretty much anything in your wake. 99-1, it was, a you know, lots of underclassmen, you know, a massive junior class for for all of you guys that, you know, were, were graduating in, in 2000. Um, and boy, it definitely starts off with, the season started off with its share of, uh, you know, things to overcome and, and, you know, the second game of the year, you guys get thumped pretty hard by Nebraska Omaha. What what was that like? And of course, that's right before you have to go to Pitt the next week. I'm, I'm guessing that probably wasn't a very fun week of practice. No, that 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 Nebraska Omaha game was it was not very good. Uh, obviously, we got thumped. I remember being sick. I had the flu the whole week. I didn't practice much. Uh, in fact, I suited up on game. They probably shouldn't have. Uh, but like I say, we were we were all brothers, and we were all a family. And there's no way that I would let them down. I would let not let them go into battle without me being out there. And there's a trench to rain pour on top of that. And I remember talking to Coach Tatum, who recruited me, and I was pretty close with him, and I was telling him that. I don't think I could play. Like I hadn't ate, I hadn't eaten much. I was weak. I was shivering. I went out there and I played. We lost in the rain, and we all. I don't think there was one word said on the bus back. I don't think anyone said anything. Uh, and then we're going to pick. So we lose that game, but we're picking up the pieces, and we're going. And we out there, and we're in practice, and people are referring back to the UNO game. Like, do you want to feel like that? Do you want to feel like that? You know? And and we know the challenge that Pitt uh, posed. You know, Pitt, Pitt was Pitt. You know, like the, the, the N- MIAA championship ran through Pitt and Northwest Missouri State University. And there was no if, ands, or buts about it. So, you know, no, we did not want to feel like that. But we had also just ran a national championship, so we knew we knew how to win. We knew how to win in adverse situations. So we leaned on that a little bit, and we came out and and we beat Pitt. I mean, there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of doubt throughout the town. I remember. I remember going out and eating, like being at Angie's and eating, uh, and people coming up to you and there. They're, you know, they're not the same. They're not the same. They're not the same from when you just won 15 straight days. They're coming in and they're asking, like, can you, can you be pit? So there's a difference be, be, between I can't wait till you be pit to can you be pit? So, I mean, we, I think, I think we did a great job of shutting out all of the outside noise and, and honing in and, and, and being able to collect ourselves and being able to go out and perform and be a, a very good Pitt State team. Uh, 
I, I, I think I don't, if we didn't beat that Penn State team, I don't know if we win the national championship that year because I, I, I think the, the, the mountain and the, the outside noise would have, would have creaked in and, and, and I think it would have started splitting us at the fibers, but we did. And they, and they hardened us. And they said, like, you know, we can go out there. We can be very good teams, you know. And we just started putting one week before the – we didn't look too far ahead. We didn't look backwards. All we did was look for the next, next week. And we kept putting those games together. And before too long, we were in the national championship. Well, that was definitely, I think that was the kind of the turning point probably in that season was that pit game. You guys were down 21-7 at halftime, come back and win that game. And and yeah, like you said, just kind of got on a roll. The one one I've got to ask you about is is your famous return against Central that year. And uh, that, you know, I think you made everybody, at least everybody on Central miss at least once, probably some guys twice. Do you, do you remember that specific return? I, I do. I do remember that return. In fact, Central had a really good return. And I don't remember how, but we had communicated to each other before the game. And his, he, I remember he said his last, I don't know how we, I don't know how we, we communicated, but he said that I am the best returner in this conference. That was the last thing he said to me before our, our, our game against Central. And a lot of times things don't get to me too much, man. I'm pretty low key. I'm a pretty even kill. But that bothered me. And I, but I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to make too big a deal about it. But that bothered me. And I wanted to show him. I wanted to show him, you know, my, my talents. I wanted to show him my talents and, uh, I, I, I want to rise to, to the challenge of him saying that. So uh, I remember. I, I distinctly remember they punt that ball, and I catch it, and I go to the right, I go to the left. I, you know, it, 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 it's 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 back and forth thing. Then I and then I run it back, and the elation, <laughs> the elation afterwards was 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 big time because central central. Talent-wise, Central always had like those. Uh, they always had the the transfers, the JUCO transfers. You know, they tried to build like, their their team through the JUCO transfers. I also remember my cousin Lamont Barrett uh, was a. He he played for Central the year before, but uh, he transferred. He transferred to play for us, and it was a big fiasco. Uh, Willie Fritz was his, his college coach at JUCO, and then Willie Fritz came to Central, and he followed him there. And after one year playing there, he came and transferred to Northwest. He wanted to finish his career playing with me. And we went through a big fiasco of him being uh, eligible to play at Northwest. So that was on my mind too, man. I felt like I felt like they were trying to keep him from doing that. And you know, I—I I mean, that's one of those games where you don't sleep much at night. You're just ready to go and play the game. And you know, the the, the return game, honestly, uh, throughout the MIAA 
you know, later on in my career, I didn't get very many returns. Like teams would kick it out of bounds and and stuff like that. But 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 Central was a very arrogant team. They were like, "Nah, we don't care who you are. We're gonna kick it to you." So I was very pleased at my opportunities to go out there and catch a return and actually run it back. Well, he, that was the end of the regular season. That was the last last game, senior day, and then uh, the playoffs start. Well, that's where the the comeback cats moniker kind of comes from. You guys trail in every game and and uh, and and pretty late in in most of those games against North Dakota in the first round. That until overtime, the only touchdown that the Bearcats scored was was a punt return. You guys were down thirteen nothing. Um, at halftime, what what helped in all these games? You know, Northern Colorado, you're you're down a couple of scores at the end of the third quarter. I mean, was it? Did you guys have? You know, you would obviously you know come back before you had the '98 season. Was that you know when the chips were down? Is that what you guys you know kind of went to in your mind? Hey, we know we know no matter what the score is until the clock says zero, we can we believe we can win. Well. I honestly think that, you know, when when you're in a situation like that, yeah, players have to go out there. They have to go out there and they have to perform. You have to go out there and perform. But when you have a coaching staff, when you have a coaching staff that has created this atmosphere that is family, and then when you go in there and you're trailing the halftime, and when those guys are talking to you and they're talking to you like they really believe that you can get it done, that they really believe that you can there's no negativity, there's only the belief that you can really get it done. You feel as a player that you can go out there and get it done. And you go out there and you start chipping away and one positive thing happened, then another positive thing happened. And before too long, you look up at the score and you're in the game or you're, you're, you're winning the game or something like that, They, I, I honestly think that that year the coaches did a great job of keeping us from looking at the scoreboard. And, and looking at the scoreboard, like sometimes doubt creeps in. I tell you the truth. The only game that I thought that I was ever losing in college football was when we played the national championship game and we were down and we were down late. It's like 17, and I was like, ah, yeah, this is the one. Like, like we can't win this game. That was in my mind. But I had started looking up at the scoreboard, and I hadn't done that before. But all those other games and those playoff games, like, they did a great job of keeping us from thinking about or looking up at the scoreboard with that belief that if we could do X, Y, or Z, we will, we will be in a position to win a football game and we trust those guys like they trusted us to go out there and get it done. Well, and semifinal again, I, you know, IUP guys are, are, you know, trailing in the, in the fourth quarter again. And then of course, Hey, you get to hear sweet home Alabama and see the goalposts come down. So that, uh, <laughs> it's probably, that's another good one. Sweet home Alabama. Comes. I mean, like, man, that game is wild too. I remember Scott Carter recovering that fumble. And 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 like we're going ballistic, but IUP. I mean, like all of those, all of those teams were they were good. I I really think that any any one of those teams beat us, they could probably win the national championship. 
It just happened that we beat them. And then, like you say, the, the sweet home Alabama is playing, and we just won a national championship. We're going to another national championship. And in your mind, you're like, man, you know, it's a wrap. Like, we're about to go win another national championship. And we go down there to, 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 to the national championship, and they are actually taking it to us. Like, like nobody has took it to, taken it to us. They like we can't stop the run, and that's what they want to do: run the ball. And we we in a bad we in bad state, you know. And on the other and on the other side, our offense isn't clicking. Like we were pretty dynamic on offense. We had a really good receiver core. We had a really good offensive line. Travis Miles was a really good quarterback. We had a really good running running game, and we couldn't do anything. And they could do everything. And everything that they wanted to do was run the ball. So they were running the ball, taking time off the clock, and they were scoring. And we couldn't do anything on offense. And it was like one of those things. You come to the realization, like, yeah, we're not going to win this. You know? Uh, But, like I say, you go in there ahead of time, and those guys preach, like, we can come back. We can do this. We can do that. The problem is we did. We came back. We had some success. But also, they had success. (laughs) So it was one of those things, man. Like, like, honestly, we just thought that we were going to run out of time. We didn't have enough time to to do the things that that we were going to do. But but fate has it, man. We we did have enough time, and, and we came out on top. Well, and it's amazing. Even now, you know, as I go back and watch this game, and I, I did a few months ago again, or at least, you know, watched kind of the second half of the fourth quarter in overtime. I mean, even as I'm watching it, I know exactly what happens, but it's still like one of those things like, oh, you know, 334 left and down 15, ah, it can't happen. You know, it's it's just, you know, just one of the most amazing, improbable, um, you know, things that even knowing the outcome, it doesn't make it any, you know, any more believable, I guess, even as a fan after all these years watching the game. I mean, is this the game that you get asked the most about from, you know, I mean, it's, it's the game, you know, famously Dr. Red, um, you know, was asked about it by Roger Staubach, you know, of the, of the Dallas Cowboys and, and, you know, it's considered one of the greatest college football games of all time. If, if not the one, certainly probably division two. I mean, is this the game you get asked about the most? It, it is the game that I get asked about the most, uh, and and honestly, everyone everyone that asks knows the outcome. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't they, they didn't they weren't there looking and feeling and seeing uh, the throughout. You know, everything throughout. But that game, that that game, honestly, that game, honestly, uh, it was like two deaths it was like two deaths because we had clawed back and fought back and then we had put the game into our kicker's hands our kicker was top notch like our kicker he didn't miss and then he misses (laughs) he misses and you're like what on earth like like you have clawed back and you have fought and you have put yourself in a position to win a game that you probably shouldn't be in, and our kicker misses a kick, and you're like, yeah, okay, that's the omen. 
Like, that's it. Like, he misses a kick. You can't win, you know? So, you know, everyone that asks about that game, they ask about more or less the outcome. Um, like, okay, y'all came back like you won. You missed four overtimes. But, you know, the four overtimes is one thing. The four quarters prior to the four overtimes is a whole nother thing. That's why I say it's two deaths. Like, like the four quarters was the death. Like, we came all the way back. Like, we were buried. They they gave us an opportunity to come back. In fact, in fact, you know, I hadn't gotten a kickoff return. I hadn't gotten a kickoff return all game. They were kicking away from We schemed to be able to allow our other kick returner, which was Seneca Holmes, the opportunity to return those kicks and all that stuff because, you know, in our minds, we knew that they wouldn't kick it to us. But I remember, distinctly remember, him saying to me, hey, man, let's switch. Get over there. You do your thing. They, We switched, and they kicked it right to me, and I run the kick all the way back. I mean, like, that was that was nuts. That was nuts. And I was so excited. I mean, like, we, I, I mean, like, I don't, I, it's a feeling that you can't, you know, duplicate. You can't duplicate that feeling. They went back down there and scored again. Like, come on, man. Like, it, that was such an emotional roller coaster that, I mean, you can't, like I say, you can't duplicate. You can't put into words. Like, like everyone that sees and, and hears and knows anything about that afterwards to ask about it, don't understand it. It was one of those games, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm pleased to be have been a part of because, like you say, it is one of the best games to ever in college football that there ever will be. That's one of the best games that there ever will be. And on that stage, and that setting, and the national championship game, I don't know how many national championship games that you can ever think of, think of that have went into four overtimes. You can't, you can't, you can't. I mean, honestly, you can count on one hand if there are many, more than one. You can count on one hand that a championship game that have went into multiple overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. And so, I mean, what were your thoughts like when the whistle blew? I mean, was it a big relief? I mean, like you said, the the emotional toll that, that game probably took on all of you guys on the sideline was was incredible. Was could you even hardly believe it when the when the final whistle blows? When the final whistle blew, I couldn't breathe. I, I couldn't. I, I, no, I couldn't. I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh my god! Like like we have won, and we came back and we won, and and again, it's the same feeling. Everyone rushing the field. Everyone, all like your student body, like like Northwest student body is not like fifty thousand. It's not. So a lot of a lot of all of those people that are in the majors and stuff that you're in, you know, and some off, you know, off fashion, you know those guys, and seeing them on the field and crying and and, and going through that whole process with you, it made it so worthwhile, and then. That being the only game in my, 
I guess my career that I ever played that I thought that I was going to lose and I actually won, that reassured me that, you know, until the final whistle blows, you really don't know the outcome of a football game. You know, the football is one of those sports, man. It's, it's, it's a total, total team sport, man. It's, it's, it's the optimal team sport. Like you need everybody to be able to win a football game. Winning is so hard in football that people don't understand, you know. And we were able to go out there and not only win, we won back to back. We win, we we won when we were down 15 with three minutes to go in a national championship game, and everybody could see and everybody was talking about, and we got to live that with some of our student body. They had made that journey down there to, to you know, Alabama, man. It was nuts. It's, it's, it's you know, next to my children being born and, and, and being married, it is my best feeling I ever had in my life. Well, let's talk about your senior year, the 2000 season. Um, you know, obviously at, at the end, it, it doesn't end the way that you guys wanted it to, certainly, but you know, some, some close games at the beginning, UNO, Mankato, Pitt State. I mean, those are all pretty close games. And then you guys just kind of get on a roll, clear through until that until that uh, North Dakota State playoff game. I mean, it's it's your senior year. Did, did you feel any different going in going into that season? Did Was preparation for you any different? Or, or was it extra special or anything? Or, or do you even think about that stuff when you're in the moment? Well, yeah, I was, I was, you know, you're an elder statesman. You're an elder statesman when you're a senior. So, you know, your actions, your words, you know, it, there's some freshman, some red shirt or something they're looking up to. It. So you carry yourself in a in a different light, you know, in a different way. Uh, I really think that my senior year, we had the probably the most you know, talented team that we had had that I had been there. I thought we were, I thought we were tremendously talented. We had just won two national championships. So we were on a super high. So there's not much that you could tell us, you know, about the about prep, preparing for a football season. Like we had overcome injuries. We had overcome deficits. We had overcome a lot. You know, we had overcome a lot. So and and it was and talent wise we we were as 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 talented as we had ever been if not more so so we were on high and and, and honestly you know I I really thought we were we were being an opportunity we know we had opportunity to play for the national championship again but uh. That, that season, like we had broken, like there were there were milestones that were broken along the way. Uh, that you know the local media would, would remind you about and tell you about and and things like that, you know. And then it had crept into our uh, into our classroom, you know. Like some of the professors would would mention certain you know things, milestones, and things that we were, we, were that we were accomplishing and that and all. So. You know, our whole student body was 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 on a on a vibe on a high. Like you know, everyone was buying in. Like the the attendance was was nuts. Like everyone was there. 
And then everyone was taking notice and everyone was paying attention. Uh, you know, you're the team that just won two national championships. Everyone wants to be a part of that, you know. And then uh, we get to that playoff game, and we just don't we just don't perform as well as we had performed. You know, I mean, we they caught us on the right time. Uh, you know, it was hard, man. It, that was a hard loss because we knew and we felt like we were better than them, but we just didn't have our A game that day, and we lost. You know, we lost to the team that played the best that day, and it's still hard to get over, man. I, I still don't understand it, and I still don't, you know, I want I want my my do-over, you know. I want my mulligan. I, I want to do it again because I felt like we were shorted. I felt like we were really destined to be that team to win three national championships in a row. But honestly, that Saturday, we just didn't bring our A game, and and we just could not get it done. Well, I mean, I mean like you said, you know, you guys think that is maybe the most talented team that you had. I mean, that's people still talk about that today. That 2000 team maybe it was the one of the most, maybe the most talented Bearcat team ever. Certainly, the one to not win a national championship. I I agree, man. Like we we were stacked, man. Our practices honestly were were way harder than our games. Like going out there and, and, and practicing were way harder than our games. Like honestly, I think. I, I know this because we talk about it all the time. We played to halftime offensively. Offensively, we played to halftime or one series in the third quarter, seven of those games. Seven of those games, We that's that's, that's the full capacity of, of what we played as a starter offensively. You know, so... And I teach Jamaica about that all the time because Jamaica and I, we talk. And I told him, you know, yeah, you broke a lot of my records, man. You know, hats off to you because I host him on this recruiting visit. And, like, he was my he was my little brother, man. Like, he, he really was, man. You know, we still talk to this day. We talk about a lot of stuff. And I'm still, like, his big brother, you know. Uh, and I told him, like, if we were not as good, there's no way you would have broken my records because we would have played longer, you know. <laughs> we had to compete and play longer in the second half. But that senior year, we played to in seven games. We only played one series. Either we stopped at halftime or we only played one series past halftime in seven of those games. You know, so we were really good. Like, we were really good in, in, in our competition. Like, we were way better than our competition. Like, we were, we were, we were blowing some teams out. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know in the in the grand scheme of it if that affected us when we actually had to, you know, hunker down and play against, you know, that that playoff team. I don't know if that hurt us or whatever, but I know it preserved us. I know we were fresh. I know we were, we didn't have any, you know, injuries or anything like that. It just that playoff game, we just did not have our A game. And, and they caught us on it, and they beat us at our home stadium, which hurt more than anything because, like I say, you know, going through those things with all of those people, uh, that really meant something to me for sure. Like, that meant something to me for sure because, you know, and when I got to class, 
you know, the day, the Monday after those Saturday games, I enjoyed the win with my students, you know, my, my fellow students, you know, that was, that was a big part of it for me. Like I wasn't in a fraternity. I thought my fraternity was, you know, my football kids, you know, my football brothers. But when I got to class, those guys were a part of, a part of everything that we went through, you know, because they could recite information from the game, plays from the game. They, they embodied it. So, that was big to me, you know. So I hurt for them. I hurt for them as well. Well, one of the things you mentioned there, Tony, was you talked about all the records and different things. How, how's this for a record? Thirty-six and zero in the MIAA over your four years. So you guys as seniors never lost an MIAA game. That's that's kind of amazing, really. Yeah. yeah. Two national championships uh, too, but I mean that's to you know to not lose to Pitt, just Pitt for four years. I mean it was impressive, but yeah, that's that, that's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, going on and uh, I played I played football after you know after my college days, but I had the unique opportunity to play with a guy that graduated from Pitt. Uh, and I was older, like and this was up in Canada, and I was, uh, you know, I had, I, I was a little bit established when he came, but I rubbed that in a whole lot, man. Like I never lost the pit, man. I never lost the pit, and he looked up to me. He 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 wanted guidance and stuff like that, and all every time, I don't care if we were playing dominoes or I don't know bowling or anything. I'll tell him. I never lost a pit, man. I never lost a pit. To be 36 and old in MIAA is insane. Come, especially where Northwest was, I guess, two years before I got there. They were 0 for They were 0 and 11, and then they won six games. And then they went up, you know, they, I shouldn't say they. We went on a run where we didn't lose another MIAA game. That is insane. That is insane to think about. You know, I think the MIAA is the the cream of the crop when you talk talk about Division two conferences. And, and if they're the cream of the crop in Division two, Division two conferences, there should be a little bit more parity. You know what I mean? And and. Northwest Missouri State winning all of those games, that has something to say, you know. That has something to say with a lot. That has something to say with the culture, of, of course, the culture that was created by the coaches, the type of recruits that were brought in by the coaches, the type of environment that is embodied by the university, and also, the type of culture that's embodied by the community of Northwest Missouri State University. Because I was just up there. I told you, I was just up there a year ago in June. I went to uh, the football camp that was, was, that was hosted at the school. I took my son up there, and I went out, and I talked to a lot of people out in the community. And they still had the same fire. They still had the same zeal as they did when I was going to school many moons ago. And 
it is excitement. I mean, it is an excitement. It's electric. And all of those kids in that camp, I watched. I watched with a coach, coach and I, because since I coach now, I watched with a coach and I, those kids felt it. They can feel, they can feel what it was like. I seen some kids hang their head because they made an error or two. And then I seen someone else go and pick them up. And that is, that embodies what it is to be a Northwest Missouri State Bearcat when, you know, you make a mistake or two and you have someone to go out and pick you up and say, like, man, we got you, man, because you're our brother, man. We're going through this together. That is what it was all about. And that is what carried us when those games were tight, when those games were close, and we didn't have our A game. That is what carried us over the top because we genuinely cared for the guy that was next to you. So, you know, obviously your time at, at Northwest comes to an end and you, you head north of the border, play you play football in Canada at some success you win a championship up there and and with toronto win the great cup you were an all-star um as well how how do you look back on your time um in the cfl and how did all that come about i mean was was that uh you know i mean obviously everybody wants to play in the nfl right how how did your opportunity with um you know in in the cfl come about okay well my my Experience in the NFL, I I was there. I was with the St. Louis Rams, which they're not St. Louis anymore. Uh, I was there, and they were considered the greatest show on turf. And Mike Marsh was their coach, and I was there, and they had brought in, I would think, two first-rounders, a third-rounder, a fifth-rounder, and stuff like that. But, and, and I went there as a free agent. I signed, I signed with St. Louis as a free agent. Uh, my draft year, I signed as a free agent. But I was the first rookie to take his name off his helmet, meaning that I had – like, people shouldn't know who I am now, you know. Uh, so I was the first rookie to take my, my name off my helmet. And Mike Morris, his, in, his, in his words, Tony – if people don't know who you are, they're either stupid or they're not paying attention. That's what he told me. So, you know, I competed well in camp, you know. And at the end of camp, you know, everybody goes and see either the head coach or their position coach to turn in their um, their, their playbook and all that. And their, their position coach or the head coach tell them, you know, we like it, whatever, you know. Hope, wish you well, bye, basically. I was one of the last cuts. And I didn't I didn't go to my head coach. I didn't go to my position coach. They sent me to the GM. And I was thinking, like, what is this all about? I go to the GM, and he said, well, Tony, everyone likes you. Everyone in our camp likes you. But we just paid this guy a million dollars. He's going to be here. We want you to be on our practice team. What that does is blah, blah, blah. That guarantees you to be one of the final cuts next year. We want to send you to Europe and blah, blah, blah. I wasn't interested in that. 
I really wasn't, man. I felt like, you know, I had gave a lot to the game of football. I felt like, you know, I, I put my heart into it or whatever. And I felt like, you know what? If it wasn't if it wasn't what that was, man, I was ready to move on past football. I was at that moment. I was ready to move on past football. Okay, that happens, and I tell the GM. I tell the GM. I I think you should. I told the GM. I think you should send somebody else that really wants this opportunity. Cause I didn't. I told the GM. I'm on my mouth. My agents at that time told me I'm silly for for telling the GM that. I should never have told the GM that. I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that, but that I, I told them my truth. And then I come back, and I'm working for a lawyer office here in Waco, Waco, Texas, and I get an opportunity. My agent called me and says, you know, this team in the CFL wants you to come uh, try out for them. You know, it's a good look. You know, they think, you, they think very highly of you, so it's a good chance you make the team. Uh, but you got to go and try out. So I said, okay, I want to go to the CFL. No, you know, I want to go up there. And I tell my mother, I'll be back in two weeks. I really had no desire to make the team. I tell my mom, I'll be back in two weeks. I pack enough clothes, you know, one little old bag to go up there and compete, you know. I go up there into Canada, and I'm with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and I go up there. And I'm just chilling, man. I'm good. You know, it's football, but I'm more, you know, in tune to Canada. I want to see what Canada is. I'm out and I'm sightseeing. I'm, I'm doing all of these things. And then we get to practice. And one of the guys called one of my, my housemates out, which was a receiver. And he was like, he was talking bad to him. Like, you ain't this, you ain't that, you ain't that. So, you know, over time, over the course of time, you become close to people. So I told a guy, why don't you say that's those those things to me? You know what I mean? Like, like tell me that. Like, like challenge me, basically. He really didn't. But the next day in practice, I made it up on myself to go out and say, you know, to all of those guys that were challenging my, my, my bunkmate or whatever, I went out and I I performed against them. I, I did very well against them. I, I pretty much destroyed them. And from that day on, I was a starter in the CFL. From that day on, I was a starter in the CFL. And I remember my first out of out of six catches, my first five four catches were touchdowns of more than of fifty yards plus. So. Um, from that day, from that guy challenging my bunkmate, if I never heard that, I probably wouldn't have exerted myself the way that I did because my football, me thinking about the game of football, I had absolved that, and I didn't want to play football anymore. But from that day on, I was a starter in the CFL, and I started every game after that. Every game that I played, I started after that. And the CFL... What I loved and liked about the CFL because it was a game and, of course, they threw the ball a lot because they only had three downs. But the game still meant something to some people. You know, it wasn't as much of a business as it was in the NFL. So that was good. 
You know, I actually met my wife in Canada. Uh, and I convinced her to come down here to Texas and she melts every summer. <laughs> <laughs> she melts every summer. But uh, the CFL gave me that oh, same family feeling that I had when I was at Northwest. It was us against everybody else. So uh, that's the reason why I stay. You know, every year you in the CF, in the, every year in the CFL, there was a partnership with the NFL where you get to come down and try out in camps and stuff like that. And I got a call every year. And, this, and, and my story is kind of unique because every year that I got those calls, the team won the Super Bowl. So I got a call from the coach. They won the Super Bowl. I got a call from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won the Super Bowl. I got a call from the Steelers. They won the Super Bowl. All those teams want me to come back and and come to their camps. But if I would have came to their camps and and performed and didn't make their teams, I would have lost money in the CFL. So I wasn't willing to do that. but the time that I really wanted to come back and perform, I think it was the Steelers. They wanted me to come be their punt returner. And my luggage, I was traveling. I was actually traveling. I was traveling to Jacksonville. I was, tra- I was traveling to North Carolina, actually. I was traveling to North Carolina. My luggage, in my luggage, I put my phone. I don't know. I accidentally, accidentally did that. Put my lug- uh, put my phone in my luggage. And I actually never got those bags back to this day. But my agent had called me like, I don't know, like 30 times that the Steelers wanted me to come be their punt returner. They wanted me to come be their punt returner. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, you know, tryout or whatever. You come be the punt returner. But I never got any of those calls, any of them. And they went on. They won the Super Bowl. But, of course, I was... I I was left out because I never got those calls. But Canada was good to me. It allowed me to grow up and become a man and and be able to make choices and and do some things uh, that I wasn't privy to doing in my life. So that was good. Well, well, talk about, I mean, what were you always a good returner, whether it was kickoffs, punts, whatever, even going back to high school, I mean, and what, I mean, was it your time as a running back that helped with that? It's kind of fascinating to me. I mean, that was always, um, obviously you were no slouch as a receiver either, but there were just, uh, I don't know what, what, what did you like about returning kicks? I really think, I really think what aided me in my return game was my ability to see and I think that goes back to my ability to, uh, 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 well, my time as being like a point guard in basketball, of being able to see everything in the, in the angles of, of you know, of everybody that's, that's approaching you. So I always use angles against people, you know. Uh, so I was, I think I was fleet of foot. I, I was quick, uh, so I would use people's angles against them. So I would set them up one way, and then go against the grain the other way and get by them. 
so I think that uh, my 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 gift of returning kicks. Uh, I think my the the ability to be a point guard and and seeing all of the people on the field aiding me in my my return game. Interesting. That's cool. So, in, when when did the kind of the teaching and coaching bug? you know, hit you, was it, was it all, did you really think about it before the CFO? I mean, you mentioned you were, you were working in the law office. Was that something that you thought was ever in the cards or when did that really become something you thought you wanted to do? Well, like I say, growing up in Mark, everyone's a a Mark parent. Everyone wants to participate. All the males either playing football or they're you know, big in the agricultural world where you're raising animals and making tons of money early on. But in Mark, I had a little brother. He was six years younger than me. And he had a lot of friends. And they all, like, they all played football. They all were football players. And when we were, when I was probably like, I would say like 12, when I was 12, when I was 12, when I was 12, uh, my brother's uh, friends and them, they were playing football, but I was their coach. I was co- I was their coach when I was 12. They were six, and I was their coach, and I'd draw plays. I'd draw plays and all of that. So I was coaching them at 12. Now, I never knew that was my calling, but I kept doing it over the years, over the years, over the years. I was always their coach, and I was – putting them in those these different positions. So I was strategically having to go against people that were older than me coaching uh, because I was coaching my brother and them. And I never knew that it was really, really, really my calling. But the further and further I get, when I was in the CFL, uh, all of the people that, you know, the CFL is a professional organization. So you have all of these guest coaches that will come in and they'll try to get you know, the expertise of the uh, the CFL coaches, you know what I mean? So when I was in the CFL um, on my team, when I was in Toronto, my coaches would have all the guest coaches come talk to me about our offense because I had been astute and I learned the offense in such a way Instead of having them go and talk to like a quarterback or an assistant coach, they'll have them come and talk to me. So I was going and putting on like these basic like little clinics and telling them the ins and outs about our offense, you know, when I was in the CFL. So when I finished, when I finished playing and, and we were coming back, I always told my wife that that's what I want to do. I want to go and be a coach. I want to be a coach so I can you know, spew out all of this information to everybody that that wanted to learn some of the things that I knew. So that's kind of how my whole coaching buzz came about. You know, I was coaching early on. I was coaching my brother and I was coaching his friends early on. And then as I as time went on, I learned the game. I, I wanted to learn as much as I could. So I learned the game in such a way that, you know, other coaches that I had 
were comfortable allowing other people to be around me to learn what they had taught us. So that's how my coaching bug came along. Interesting. And you're at university now, is that right? Waco University, yes, sir. And uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, so tell us what you're up to. You're coaching, teaching. I am coaching. I am coaching football. I'm in a, I had been an offensive coordinator in the past. Uh, currently, I am a position coach. I coach with wide receivers. And I am a head um, track coach at a 5A school, which in Texas is probably like, uh, I would say the student body has to be about 17, 16 to 1700. Your student body, your high school student body has to be 16 or 1700 to be a, considered a 5A school. So I'm a head uh, track coach at a at a 5A school right now. Well, Tony, one last thing before I let you go, I, and, and I, I got to do it. I got to do the, the pick six. It's just kind of six fun, goofy questions. It's just kind of the first thing that, that pops into your mind. Are you uh, are you ready for them? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, first question. Do you have any – were you a superstitious guy? Did you have any, like, pregame rituals or or maybe you had to wear the same socks, anything like that from your playing days? Oh, yeah, man. I I wore – I had to wear – uh, some of my high school shorts underneath my uh, uniform when I performed. That was very superstitious to me. Uh, I remember one time where I actually went to the game and didn't didn't uh, bring my shorts. I had to go home and get my shorts <laughs> before the game. So, yeah, I, I'm very superstitious. I like everything to be the exact same. Especially when we win, I change it up a little bit if we lose. But if we win, I want the exact same thing to be worn and the whole process to be the same. All right, fair enough. Question number two of the pick six. Why number 10? Any significance behind your number? Absolutely no significance to number 10. Uh, That number was awarded to me. And uh, like I say, like the, the older, the older, Players before me told me I had to restore the whole uh, number 10. uh, You know, someone before me had it, and then then the guy before me didn't do as well as as the previous guy did, so they told me I had to bring it back. So uh, number 10 was just awarded to me. All right, well, and I think – I think it's pretty easy, safe to say that you definitely did that. Set a high standard for anybody else wearing that number anyway. Hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> Question number three. Did you have a favorite road trip? Was there some, you know, some particular bus ride or something that was always, always a fun one? I enjoyed going down to uh, Missouri Southern. Uh, I just like going down there to Joplin and uh, getting off the bus and being in their facilities and performing down in Joplin. And I also enjoyed going up to uh, UNO uh, because Obviously, you know, it was very competitive and all of that stuff, but just going up to Nebraska and and, 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 and and being able to get off of that bus and and go and perform. I mean, I don't know. It always was one of those special road trips to me, going to UNO and also going down to uh, Southern. 
right. All right. Question four of the uh, pick six. Who was the best athlete that you've ever played with? Oh, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> or, I mean, uh, if you, you know, want to name a couple of different guys or anybody that, or maybe somebody that was a really good unassuming athlete, like maybe they didn't look like it, but, you know, when they put the pads I on, would it was say, special. I would say uh, David Jansen was one. He was one of the most athletic guys I ever played against play with he could do a lot of things and, and if you look at him now on the social media stuff he's still doing backflips at 40 nothing i won't say our age or whatever but <laughs> he's still doing backflips and stuff like that he's one of the most athletic guys i've ever played with and i would say um, steve cobberger steve cobberger was a center uh, and I didn't play many years with him, but uh, he was pretty dang on athletic to be a, a, a offensive lineman. So I would say those two guys are two of the most athletic guys I ever played play with. Yeah, Jansen looks like he could go play now. Like that's <laughs> that's what I'm. I see him on social media too, and it's like holy smokes, man, he's uh, no making man, me that look guy bad. Was crazy. <laughs> All right, question number five of the pick six. What do you miss most about Maryville? The thing I miss most about Maryville was, uh, I don't know, just like walking outside of my house and having everyone so in tune to what was going on down at the university. Uh, you go to the convenience store, everyone knows what's going on at the university. Go to a restaurant, you know, to the movies and all of those things. It's such a great college community. Uh, I miss that the most. Uh, I also miss going down to uh, the Outback and those type of places and, and just kicking back and just being able to just, you know, be a college student with, uh, without too much, you know, pressure of, of, of doing other things. Just going out and just being one of the one of the guys in the college community. That's what I miss the most. All right. Last question of the pick six. Everybody's got a got a Coach T story. Do you have a favorite, like one that that a, a favorite story about Coach T? <laughs> Everyone got a Coach T story, huh? Uh, coach T. My favorite Coach T story is uh, actually Coach T. You know, when we were we were in in school, he did a lot with our special teams. And I just remember one time where I went back and and I fielded a punt. And I don't know, you can just feel the the Tony nose. Like don't no, 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 no. And and I fortuitously um turned that into Tony, yes, 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 go, 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 go. But that's that's probably my my, my favorite uh, uh, most T uh, my favorite uh, coach T story uh, competing. Obviously, off off the field, he was such a father figure to all of us and and that type of sense. But that was probably my favorite coach T story uh, of participating in in football. Awesome. 
Well, Tony, that's all. That's all, man. You've been real gracious with your time. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun and, and, um, who knows, maybe we can do it again soon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Thanks so much for joining me for uh, another great week, another great episode of uh, Tony Miles. How awesome is that? And here coming up in a couple of weeks, kind of have the next month or so of uh, Bleeding Green planned out. In two weeks, you'll hear from Bearcat linebacker, part of the 2013 National Championship team, Cody Mathewson, currently a high school football coach up in Iowa. And I'm really excited to talk about uh, Mathewson's mini helmets. You can check them out on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, pretty cool. Got some pretty cool Bearcat helmets and, and all kinds of stuff. They make custom helmets. It's really cool. And it's cool to see a, uh, uh, you know, a Bearcat doing his thing. And uh, besides coaching, and that's a great chat. So coming up in a couple of weeks, there's that. And of course, spring ball is currently going on, depending on when you're listening to this. Started Monday, March 27th. And uh, some great coverage from Do- John Dykstra, the Maryville Forum. You know, I'm I'm John's a good friend of mine, and 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 he does some great work. He had a great chat with uh, with Coach Wright, and uh, I'll be having some coverage here coming up. April twenty second is uh, the spring game, green and white scrimmage. Uh, you know me, I love talking about you know uh, some some current Bearcat product. A couple of times in the off season, we have that signing day in the spring game, so I'm definitely excited about that. I'll have um, some more coverage on that, kind of follow up on that the following week, the following Thursday. 27th after uh, after the scrimmage. So lots of great stuff coming up. Again, your help is how I'm going to grow this thing. So anything you can do, uh, spread the word, give a good review, definitely subscribe whatever way you listen to the podcast. Um, you know, give it the thumbs up, anything like that. Share it on social media. Definitely appreciate that. Throw throw me a follow on on Twitter. Underscore bleeding underscore green is the bleeding green podcast Twitter page. Although with all the changes coming up, that's probably going to be different. I've refused to pay for it. I'm not going to be verified. So anyway, it is what it is. Uh, on the Facebook group as well, Bleeding Green Podcast, throw a like and a follow on that. And of course, check out the website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. Thanks so much for all your support. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, be kind. Kindness makes a difference. And as I always say, go Bearcats. Bearcats.